morning. It's wonderful to be in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. I'm thankful and I'm honored to be with you this morning. My wife as well. She's sitting here on the front row. Uh, it's a joy for us to come back and be able to share with you. I'm honored that Pastor Mark would allow me to do so. He's a wonderful pastor. And every time I speak with him, he'll call or I'll call him. I'll say, hey, pastor, how are you doing? He'll ask me, no, how are you doing? Is there something I can do for you? What can we do for you here at Calvary to help you out? See, my wife and I are missionaries traveling around, and I'm just so thankful that he is willing and this church is um, able to join with us and help us as we go forward in reaching this world. I listened to the series last week uh, about this um, series you're going through, Revolutionary. And I'm so thankful for this series because this is something that the church needs to be involved in every day. This is something that this world needs is a revolutionary message. And as you went through and you said, I, I want us just to say that again this week as we are, are focusing on being a revolutionary church. It's full of revolutionary people that wants to revolutionize the world. Can we say that together this morning? God has called us to be a revolutionary church, to be a revolutionary people ready to revolutionize this world. Amen? Over 2,000 years ago, a man came to this earth and came to walk on the same place you and I do to upset the order. And he upset the order. He changed things dramatically. It's, it's people still talk about what Jesus done and what He's doing and what we can't say and how His name can't be mentioned, but you can mention this and that. And it upsets me that today the church wants to try to candy coat a message that needs to be preached. People all over this world need to, need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's each of our job's responsibility to do it as a Christian. He's spoken to us. He's, he's allowed us to be a part of His work. And I'm thankful that He's called our family to do that. Will you turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20? I want to share with you this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, I know it will be on the screen. Now, I'm not used to sharing with this stool right here. So if I get, you know, to move around, just, just bear with me. This is nice. So I like the table because I can put all the stuff up here. I know that we will be a revolutionary church and we will, we will be full of revolutionary people and ready to revolutionize this world because of who lives inside of us. Because who has equipped us and who walks with us. And He's gave us His Word to do just that. So I know that we will accomplish exactly what it is we're supposed to accomplish. And He wants us each to take part in this great calling, this great mandate of reaching this world. And I seen the saw it out on the table. I was so thankful for it because that's such a great message that every time you apply that, it's, it's something different about it. And I believe that we are different because He's called us to do that. In Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In verse 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And this is my favorite part. It says, And surely I am with you always, 
till the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day, Lord. We thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house this morning. Father, we pray that You will speak to us through Your Word. We pray that You'll speak to us. God, and we speak against any hindrance that might come against our hearts and our minds this morning to keep us from hearing Your Word. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your Word. We worship You. We each give You our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Out of the Scripture that we just read, we can see that the Lord has given us a mandate to reach this world. He's given us a commission, right? He's given us a challenge. And as we read the Scripture, I ask myself these questions. I say, how is it that we're going to be a revolutionary church? How can we be a revolutionary church? Half the time it's hard enough for us to get up and get dressed and make it through the day. And at the end of the day, come back to the house. We're so worried. How are we going to do this? How can we be a revolutionary people when we were created and, 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 you know, we struggle with the temptations and trials of this life? How can we be a revolutionary people? And how can we revolutionize our world? And I believe as we've looked into the Scripture, it, it tells us exactly how we can do that. So how can we be a revolutionary church? You have in your notes, we will be a revolutionary church if we are obedient. We will be a revolutionary church if we are obedient to what the Lord tells us. You see that the disciples went to an area to meet Jesus that He had already set up this appointed place for them to go. He had already directed the disciples that they were going to go and they were going to have this meeting and it was going to be in Galilee and that He was going to speak to them there. And that this was a place that the disciples were obedient and it was a place that they went to meet Jesus. It didn't say in the Bible that the disciples told Jesus that they needed to take a few minutes and that they were going to swing by the Starbucks and grab them a cup of joe before they went or they had all these things they needed to do. It says that they went to Galilee as He had told them to do so. And as you and I sit in the church today and we're focused on being a church that's going to revolutionize our world and we're, we're saying, God, what is it that we can do so that we can change our lives to fit your plan? God, what is it that we can do? He's wanting us to obey Him. He's asking us to be obedient to everything that He tells us. The Bible is full of illustrations of what happens. And I've noted a couple from my reference. Uh, I think of the story of... Um, Adam and Eve, the, you know, the very first fall of man, that they were walking in the garden with God. They were walking in the presence of the Lord. They had everything that they needed. They, they didn't need food. They didn't need anything. They had everything right there before them. A beautiful garden that was created for them to dwell with God, to dwell with Him forever. But out of disobedience, they were asking they had to leave the garden which He created for them. And I love summertime and spring mornings, so I always like to think about the honeysuckles that we smell. When I was a little boy, I remember riding my bike, and I'd always pluck them out and eat the honey off of them. You had to eat for three or four hours just to get a taste of one. But could you imagine what this garden smelled like, and the aroma and the beauty of the, or, the, of the flowers and, and all the beautiful things that were there that God created? See, this was something that man, out of disobedience, paid a price for walking out of. They had to leave. They had to leave. They turned against God. You think of the story of Moses who struck the rock when he was told to speak to it. Such a wonderful leader who had seen all the miraculous things that God did before his eyes. 
who led these people from place to place with God's provision and seeing these things take place right before their eyes. And the Lord had said, speak to the rock, and he struck it. And he paid a price for that out of disobedience. He paid a price for it. The guy, Uzzah was his name, I believe. He was the man that was sort of walking beside the cart that was carrying the Ark of the Covenant, if you'll remember in the Scripture. And he was instructed no one was to touch this ark that carried such a holy thing of the Lord that he reached up when the ark went to fall and he went to touch it and he was trying to do something good. But he, he paid a price for being disobedient to what the Lord had told him not to do. And I think to myself over this, as we try to reach our world and we try to do something for the Lord, it's very important that you and I begin to recognize of what the Lord speaks to us and be obedient to it and do exactly what it is He's told us to do. We've got to be obedient if we're going to be a revolutionary church. We've got to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. We've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit when it speaks to us because if we don't, we'll pay a price for it. And that price could be someone's life. That price could be someone's life. I want to share a story of a family member of mine, and I don't often share it. Years ago, I struggled with addictions in my life, and this family member would do these things with me. And over the years, he was able um, to move away, and we didn't live together but at the same town. But I knew that he was still taking part in some of the um, things that he shouldn't have been doing. Well, I lived in another city, and I'd done, I started going to church, Alina and I and the family, and the Lord had already changed my life. I'd already met a revolutionary God that, that's about change, amen? So I had been delivered from these things and set free from them, and I was no longer struggling with these addictions, but I knew that He, he was still dealing with them. One morning I woke up, and I told Alina, I said, Honey, I feel like the Lord has put in my heart and into my spirit to go and speak with Him about this and confront Him about it, have like an intervention. She said, all right. So we went over to our pastor's house and we prayed with them and they agreed with us. They said, you know what? We feel like it's the Lord. You should go and talk to him about it. Maybe God's wanting to do something in his life. And when he hears you come out and he hears you say something about it, he'll immediately, you know, hear God's voice as well and he'll be set free from these drugs. Well, the next day come and I remember it was a Sunday. And after church, I don't remember, Lena said, honey, are we going to ride down and see him? I don't remember what the excuse was, but we didn't go. How many times do you know we make excuses when we shouldn't make excuses of what God speaks to us? And here I am, feeling like the Lord had quickened in my spirit to go talk to someone that was very dear, was a family member, and I didn't go. Well, time went on, months went past, and about six months later, I got a call from my sister in the middle of the night, about 2.30 in the morning. She, she was crying on the phone. She said, she said Clint Darrell's dead. He's dead. I said, you're kidding me. What happened? What happened? This was early. She said he had a coma. In the middle of the night, he went into a diabetic coma. And I said, man, we'll be down there. You know, we got up. I woke Alina up. And we got the kids up. And we went down and we, we sat with them and all. What happened? He went into a coma. And you know diabetics are supposed to eat at certain times and take their insulin. Well, he'd been doing some things that he shouldn't have been doing. I'm sure that he hadn't been eating like he shouldn't. And he fell off into a coma. And for months after that, 
the enemy was beating me up and he kept tormenting my mind. He said, look what you've done. You could have went down that time that you felt like you were supposed to go. You could have went and spoke to him. And you could have, you could have shared the message with him and it could have changed his life forever. This is what I heard in my mind for months. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm not the cause of his death. And I felt the Lord tell me this. I felt like he said, you know what? You're right. You're not the cause of his death. But if I ever put something in your heart and the Spirit speaks to you about anything, I want you to take this as an example. Never to let an opportunity pass by that you can shine the love of Christ and his deliverance message for for someone because you never know when they're going to need it. There's a price for being disobedient. Who knows? I could have went and shared the simple message of when I was set free from these addictions that I struggle with and he could have heard the truth. He could have been set free as well. But I was disobedient. So I encourage you in this place today, if God ever speaks something into your heart, if you're going to hand out a card or you're going to to shine the light of Christ here in this city, that you'll take the card that you've been given. If the Spirit speaks to you, that you'll be obedient and do it. Because you never know who it is that you might come in contact with every day that the next day they could be dead. You never know that. Just as there's a consequence for walking in disobedience to what the Lord speaks to us, I'm thankful for the parts that He walks with us for being obedient. Because God honors obedience. Amen? If we will be obedient and we'll go and do exactly what it is He's told us to do, I know that He'll be faithful and He'll walk with us. See, the disciples had went to the place where Jesus had told them to go and they went to this area to meet with Jesus because they had learned to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. They had learned to be obedient to who it was that they were following. They had learned to listen to that sound. And whenever He spoke, they were able to draw into Him and draw near to Him because they knew that if they went and met with Jesus, that He had something important to them that He was going to tell them. And then they, they needed to hear the words that was going to come from His mouth. And I believe that if we're going to be a revolutionary church and we're obedient to what God says, we need to be at a place to where we can hear His voice. We need to be at a place to where He has called us to meet with Him. This day and time, the disciples were appointed to meet Him in Galilee. Now, I'm not a theologian, and I don't know every aspect of Galilee, but I do know that it was a place that was important to the Lord. It was a place that He'd done many miracles It was a region that he went to often. It was a place that he wanted to meet with his disciples. How many of you know that a disciple means, it just means a follower of Christ? If you're in this place today, I know that the Lord is wanting to meet you in a designated place. I know that he wants to speak to you so that he can tell you something. And so that he can pour into your life so that you will be able to go out and you will be able to go and to pour into someone else's life. Because how will we ever reach a world if we're never going to a place to draw from our Lord? How will we ever have enough energy? How will we ever be a church that changes people if we're not allowing the Lord to speak with us? And the disciples go to this area of Galilee and they go and they meet with Jesus. And while they're there, He says, you know what? I want you to go into all the world and I want you to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that He goes and He meets them there because in verse 18 we read, 
that he has, expresses his authority to the disciples. And I know that when we walk in obedience to God, we're under his umbrella of authority. Amen? We're walking in his plan. Therefore, he is with us and he equips us and he protects us. And he's right there at our access. We sang the song this morning that he's our healer. He's everything we need. I'm thankful that he expresses that authority in these verses that we read. Because he says, you know what? I have authority in heaven. And I have it on earth. And if you're going to be my followers, and you're going to do exactly what it is I've told you to do, be and rest assured that I'm with you. Be confident of that. That I'm walking with you. That I have this authority. And you can do it as well. And I know that as long as we're walking in obedience to His Word and His will. I know we'll be conquerors in these things. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we will be a revolutionary church that revolutionizes our world because we're revolutionary people. And I know I didn't say it like it was supposed to, but I get excited sometimes and I get my words mixed up. Will you forgive me this morning? The disciples met Jesus in a place that was known to be a place of safety. It was known to be a place that grew fruits and vegetables in some of the areas of Galilee. I think of that and I apply that to my everyday life. And I want you to think about that as you're going through this series. I want you to think about if we're going to be a revolutionary church, how can we do it by meeting Jesus in this place? And I want you to take it to your Galilee. I'm not telling you to fly overseas or anything. To meet Jesus. I want you to meet Him in your everyday life. In your living room. Wherever. Here at church. We've got to meet Him. We've got to meet Him. If Galilee was a place. That was a place of safety. To where Jesus wasn't always opposed. And I know that we're meeting Jesus in our designated place. I know that we're going to be covered in His protections. We said before. We're going to be protected by Him. He is our safety. He is our refuge. He's the one who we should seek after. Not to things of this world. We should seek after His Word and His message. It lets me know that if they grew things in this area, in certain areas, that as long as we're meeting Jesus, we'll see fruits from our everyday life. We'll see our lives prosper if we'll meet Him in this place. Amen? We're going to be a revolutionary church. We've got to be obedient because obedience is one of the most important things in our Christian walk. It's one of the most important things. I wish I could stand up here and tell you some of the stories that have taken place in my life out of walking in disobedience. It's easy for me to stand up here and preach, but it's harder for me to stand up here and preach and have the mercy and grace knowing the things that I've done in my life. But I'm so thankful that Jesus forgives. And that He not only forgives one time, He'll do it again. And if you mess up and you come back to Him, He'll forgive you again. And He'll set you free again because that's the God we serve. That's the Jesus you and I have living with us. And that's the one that came and and died on a cross for our sins. And He's just as real yesterday, today, and He'll be real tomorrow. Until the end, He walks with us. And I'm thankful for that. How can we be a revolutionary people? How can we be a revolutionary people? I believe we'll be a revolutionary people. Revolutionary people, let me, I just lost my place here. Revolutionary people are ones who have been changed. Amen? Revolutionary people are ones who have experienced the one who came thousands of years later, past, or whatever, 
He came and He upset the order. The ones that have experienced Him are the ones that are sitting in this building today. The ones that have salvation. The ones that have been given this gift. You are the ones that will be able to do this because you've experienced the change. The disciples have they experienced the change because Jesus gave them this mandate. He wouldn't have gave it to just anybody off the street. He gave it to the ones whose life have been changed because He knew that they were capable of it. Change. I looked up just a, uh, uh, off the internet, revolutionary, a revolutionary of what it meant because when you hear revolutionary or revolution, or you, you think of all these different things. And I just wanted to get several good um, definitions and apply, you know, so how can we apply it? But it was unique that it was this right here. It says, is a person who either actively participates in or sponsors revolution, change. Also, when used as an adjective, the term revolutionary refers to something that has major or sudden impact on a society or some aspect of human endeavor. And I know when Jesus Christ came to walk on this earth, He had some impact. And He had some sudden change that took place because people didn't like His message. People were telling Him they thought He was crazy. People didn't believe it. said in the Word we just read that some believed and some didn't. But He came. He came to bring the message of change. And it's what we're to do. Because we're disciples and we're followers of Jesus Christ. And He chooses us to do that. I'm honored to be a servant and a worker of the Lord. I'm thankful that He would choose me to travel and to shine the light of Jesus Christ in all the world. Wherever I go, I'm thankful for that. That's something that we should all, in each and every day of our lives, look at and say, Man, this is such a great, honorable job to do. That he would choose me to do that. We all know that the Lord wants to use us. The fact of the matter is, is where will we fit in the place at? How is he going to use us? You know, I'm not no preacher. I'm not no evangelist. I've noted a couple I want to go over quickly. And we'll just use them as references. See, when I first started in doing ministry, traveling around, I thought that you had to, you know, you had to be some... Uh, uh, T.D. Jakes off TV or something to preach. I thought you had to get up on stage. You had to learn to preach. You had to yell. And when you got done, you had to say ha after every time you said the Lord. Because if you didn't, people weren't going to receive you. I thought that's what you had to do. I really did. But I went and met this man one time. And I'm going to give you a nugget to hold on to. And I know I'm kind of young. But I got this from somebody that's really old. So write this down. This is good. We started, when we first started a generation traveling from church to church, we pulled into this church, and we walked into this office, and we seen this man of God sitting there, and you knew he was a man of God because he stayed from Sunday morning to Sunday night. He didn't go home. He stayed there and prayed. And we just spent some time with him and talked to him. We said, I said, Pastor, what is it you can tell me? How can you help me? I'm just a young man traveling around preaching. He said, always be yourself. That's one of the things he told me. He told me three. He told me, always preach to please God, not man. He told me, always preach the whole word. He said, and always be yourself. And I took that and I was like, man, what a word. Just be yourself. You ain't got to learn how to preach and learn how to go out on the streets and look the best. Just be yourself. Because the ones that have been changed are the ones that can show somebody Christ better than anything else in this world. 
You might have a friend that works with you every day that you can go and work and you can just have a smile on your face and that friend will see Jesus just through that smile. Then would you walking up with the KJV 1611. Now this is the big Bible. I usually carry a little one. Then you going in and saying, like Pastor Mark was saying last week in the Word, that we've uh, KJV everything. I like that. Because it's true. Just be yourself. You've been changed. Just be yourself. God's intention is that none shall perish. John 3.16 is a verse we, most of us learned when we were little. Some of us did that none shall perish. He gave His Son so that all shall have everlasting life. How will everyone have everlasting life if they never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? If we're going to revolutionize our world and be a revolutionary church, how can we do it unless we share the light of Christ to others? It's bigger than just going and sending emails that says, forward this to ten people and you'll receive your blessing at the end of the day. <laughs> Come on, witnessing is more than that. I got caught up into them emails when I was real busy. Man, I'd be busy. I'd just do my witnessing online. i just click forward. There's my witnessing. Witnessing is more than just that. Witnessing is allowing God to use your life so that others will be affected because you have been changed. Your life has been changed. He wants us to pray. He wants us to pray that we can send workers into the harvest field. He wants us, as you, the verse you read last week, Matthew 5, He wants us to live a light that it shines into the bright, that shines brighter into the dark. That's the light that, that Christ wants us to shine. If we were to cut all the lights out in this place, it would be sort of a faint light in here. But when you cut on on, you cut the lights on, there's a sudden change automatically there's a difference. That difference is what we've experienced. That difference is what you've experienced. And that difference is what people need. They need the change of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to give it to them. We're going to have to do it. How can we do it as a church? Each of us is in a different place every day. I believe that no matter where we are in our everyday place that the church has been given the commission to bring change to the world i believe that we can be a witness everywhere just the other day i'm not saying this to brag me and my wife pulled up i don't recommend everybody doing this we picked up this homeless guy and said come on man go eat with us she, and lena thought it was crazy but we didn't have no money to give him i had some change but i'd rather feed him and i said man come on go go down here Did he, where you going i got to be back on your corner in a minute he went with us to eat, and, you know, he just talked to us for a while. We just wanted to listen to him. I give him my number, you know. And I said, look, call me, man. I'll come over here anytime. Pick you up. We'll go eat. And he called me back two days later, and he said, you know what? I want to go to church with you. Where do you go to church? And I don't recommend people to do this because this is something that you've got to have a conviction for. And I just didn't have, want to give him money because who knows what he'd have done with it. We just took him and talked to him. When I go back to town, I'm going to pick him up and take him to church with me. And I'm going to believe that when he walks into the church that he's going to feel the presence of the Lord and his life's going to be changed forever because he has experienced a revolutionary church and a revolutionary God. And then he got back to his corner and he was going to get in a fight with this guy because he took his corner. There was somebody standing there and when we pulled up, he was mad, man. I was like, we didn't even tell him bye. I was like, all right, you know, he jumped out and whatever. Hey, you're on my corner. Get over there. And he was mad. But the Lord will change that. Who knows? Who knows? After he experienced the change of the Lord, he might come back, man, and say, you have that corner. I'll go down to the other one. 
But up there, right now, we're living in Greensboro, and they fight over the corners. They really do. But all need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And wherever you're at in your everyday life, you can shine that light. I'm going to sit in a chair for a minute. Oh. Me and Alina went to Las Vegas and took the kids one time, and it's not a place I'd recommend to take your kids. But we had a free trip, so we went. We was going one morning to eat breakfast, and Alina looked out of the corner of her eye, and she saw an old man, elderly man laying there on the side of the street about 9.30 in the morning. It was scorching hot out there. If you've ever been in that area, you know that it's hot. And he was laying there. You can tell that he was homeless for some reason. Here lately, we've been talk, you know, talking about homeless people. But he was laying there, and Alina said, Honey, I feel like we need to pray for him. And I said, All right. So we walked over, and she shook his arm to wake him up. And he woke up. He didn't even have an arm. And he had just been through some tough circumstances in his life. We said, Sir, what's going on? He said, oh, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And we just began to listen to him and, and allow him to pour out his heart to us and just to take the time just to listen. He told us that he had been in wars and stuff and that he had um he didn't have nowhere to go and he turned to the streets and alcohol. He was just honest with us. He didn't try to say that he had lost his job two weeks ago and that he, he was just, you know, he didn't try to say that to us. He just wanted us to listen. He said, I'm an alcoholic and I'm homeless. My wife was actually drink, drinking a Gatorade and he started, he grabbed it out of her hand and started drinking her Gatorade. And we said, you know what? We're going to go down to the restaurant and bring you back a plate. So we did. We went down to the restaurant and picked him up a plate. When we got back, you know, we just continued to talk with him and pray with him. And, you know, while we were there, we just seen tears welp up in his eyes and he just, his life was touched that day because we took a few minutes just to, Say, hey, man, what's going on? Why are you over here like this? What can we do to help? We couldn't put him up in a place out there, we did, but we could take some time just to listen because that's what he needed. We prayed with him there before we left. And, you know, our kids, and they were looking at us like we were crazy, just like everybody else walking down the Las Vegas Strip. But we wonder, you know, where's all the Christians that say they're Christians? Where's all the ones that say, if we were to stop and say, are you a Christian? They say, yeah, I, I go to church, Christmas and Easter. Where were all these people at? We were the only ones there, and I'm not blowing our horn. I'm just saying, we have got to be people that are willing to go the extra mile and do something different if we're going to change this world. If we're going to be the people that change the world, we've got to be willing to do that. There's people that you walk in front of every day that you can talk to. And just ask the Lord, say, God... Who is it that while I'm going, that I can shine the light of Christ to? Who is it that's in my path today and tomorrow that I might be able to witness to? Because you've chosen me. You've put your seal upon my head and you say that, I, that I, I'm more than a conqueror, that you're walking in this life with me and that you've given me this mandate and this mission of reaching this world. How can I do it? He'll show you. There'll be somebody right there before you. And you'll be able to do it. How can we revolutionize our world? I believe that we can revolutionize our world if we'll all submit our lives to the I am. How can we, how can we make a difference? I've already said that we, we don't know how to get up and preach like we're supposed to. We can learn it on TV. But how can I make a difference? 
The only thing that I'm able to do is go out and talk to people. The only thing that I'm able to do is play music. Or the only thing that I'm able to do is bake. Or the only thing that I'm able to do is I'm gifted with a computer. You catch my drift here? Every, every one of us in this place has a unique gift. And I wish that we could take the time to have each of you come up or, or maybe even write on a piece of paper and read what each of your gifts are. This church, Calvary, is full of so many gifts that if you were all to be aware of them, you, it would blow your mind of the ability of what you're capable of doing. I like to bake. I like to talk to people that bake. But that's a gift. Because there are people that you can go over and you can sit there and you can share the gospel and you can talk to over a banana nut bread and nobody... Hey, that's serious stuff. I'm serious. You know, that's, that's the truth, though. There are people in this place that's been given the gift of communicating with people. Some people don't like to get out and talk to people. I'm a loud mouth. My wife says I am. I go out and talk to anybody. But that's okay. There's a part for everybody. Each of us. Because who lives with us? The I am. I believe... That once we are obedient as a revolutionary church, that we've been changed, we're ready to be a revolutionary church because we're revolutionary people, right? We're going to revolutionize our world because we've submit ourselves to the I Am. And see, once we do that, the I Am comes and He lives with us and He's given us something different that's about us. He's given us His Holy Spirit to walk with us and to help us out in this life that you and I walk through. Acts 1.8 is a verse that I want to read. It says, in Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth is our cue. It's our place that we walk every day because we're still carrying the message of Jesus Christ. We will do it because who's with us? The I am that's living inside of us. And I believe that when the I am comes into someone's life, I believe that there should be a difference. Amen? I believe that people should look different and people should act different. And there should be something different about people. I heard this comedian talking one time about this lady that had a, a bumper sticker on her car. It said, honk if you love Jesus. Man, he said she had the back of her car. He said it was like a billboard. Love Jesus, I love Jesus, John three sixteen, Ephesians and all. It had all these scripts like a Bible. It had like all the little fish, you know, like the mama fish, the daddy fish, and the little fish, the Christian fish. This was a minivan she was driving. I mean, he like got a full Sunday's message off just looking at the back of this thing. So he pulls up to honk because he loved Jesus. You feel like you've got to do it, you know. If you ever pass a sign, you just feel like you've got to honk because you love Jesus. It's kind of like that email, you know. If you don't send it, you kind of feel like, man. Well, he pulls up beside this lady and blows the horn at her. And it's like this. And she's like you know, flipping him off. <laughs> he said he thought somebody stole the car. <laughs> or somebody was borrowing it because, you know, he was just telling her that he loved Jesus. But she had forgotten that she was promoting Jesus and that he was just honking, you know. 
But I believe the I am makes us different. I believe that the I am that lives inside of us, when we pull up beside that woman to give her that little home, that she's like, yeah, praise God. Now, I know there are times each of us get discouraged. I do, and there's times that I get aggravated. I probably get aggravated more than most of you. But I believe that it's something that shouldn't be hard to distinguish. I believe that it's something that the church should carry forth that when people see it, there's just a, a joy unspeakable. There's just an excitement about that person. There's just a, a love. There's just a compassion that's on the inside of them that whenever they come around, I feel at peace. I believe it because we've received the power from on high. I believe it because we have the great I Am living inside of us and walking with us in our everyday lives. Pastor just said this morning, he was saying, what is it that you struggled with last week that you need Him to take care of? I believe that you're a born, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have that I Am living with you today. All you've got to do is access Him. Who is this I Am to us? I want us just to take a few minutes to think about this I am before we close today. This series is my heart. When I think of churches going out and to be to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, it's my heart. It's amazing to me. There are churches all over our nation that don't go out and witness. That's not the intention of Jesus Christ. His intention is that we will be a revolutionary church, revolutionary people that will revolutionize our world. The I Am lives inside of us. That's the greatest part, and that's why we're able to walk through life, and that's why we're able to come into the Lord's house, and we're able to say, God, I'm dealing with this issue. How can I be a church, and how can I be a part of something when I'm dealing with this issue, and I need you to take care of it before I can do anything? Well, it's right there. All you've got to do is ask Him. He's the I Am that came as Emmanuel to be God for us. When He died on a cross, or when He was, when he was hung on a cross, He was God for us because He was bearing our sins on the cross. And He's God in us, equipping us with His Holy Spirit. That's the I Am that you and I serve. That's the I am that we carry with us every day. We either believe it or we don't. And I want to be a church that walks and believes that the power of the Holy Spirit is living inside of me so that people can see that in my everyday life and so that the church can move forward. And people that are hurting out on the streets, people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ will see that light. And all we've got to do is take part in this. We've got to do more than come inside and sit down and get our, get our message and get our word for the week and go home. And I'm not saying any of us do that. But we can never start doing that if we're doing it. Because people need to hear the truth. The I am that lives with us. This is the I am that every knee is going to bow to one day. All the ones that say Jesus isn't real. And all the ones that say there are many ways into heaven. They're the ones that are going to bow to the I Am that you and I serve. They will not get to enter eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords unless they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because He is the only one that 
brings that gift to us. He's the only one. He's the I am that every knee will bow to. He's the I am that fed the 5,000 who took the, to the fish and the bread that day and multiplied it so that the people could stay around a little bit longer and could spend time a, a little bit more time in His presence. That's the I am that we serve. Is it not? That's the I am that lives inside of us. That's the I am that we can cast our burdens to. That's the I am that we can come to when we're hurting and say, we need you. We need you to change our lives. Amen? That's the I am that's with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fiery furnace. Can you imagine what it must have been like? They must have thought that now, what's happened? I've been put here to leave. I've been put here to... I've been left. There's no one with me. But the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says, it looks as if he sees somebody with him, a fourth person. What fiery furnace is it that we need the IEM to address in our life? What is it that we're faced with that's keeping us from going forward? Or that might keep us from going forward? To witness the salvation message. The message of hope to people. What is it that we need the I am? Nebuchadnezzar looks and he sees a fourth person with them. And they came out of the fiery furnace and they didn't even smell like smoke. Because who was with them? That's the I am that we serve. That's the I am that's with us. We either believe it or we don't. We're either going to stand on it or we're not. I love the story of Paul and Silas. These men were thrown in the prison. If you know the story, you know that when they were put in the prison, they began to worship. It got late in the night. It was around midnight, I think. I don't know. It It was late in a midnight hour. I love that song. But they began to take their eyes off the circumstances that were surrounding them, like the jail cells and all. And they began to put their situation and their focus on God. These are things that we deal with every day. We read the stories in the Bible and we say, you know what? We're not placed into a fiery furnace. We're not placed into a jail cell. Well, some of us aren't. Some of us probably, you know, probably have been or will be locked up or could be. We're placed in situations every day that we need the I am. We're placed in fiery situations that unless God is with us, we're going to burn up. This is the I am that we serve. The great I am. The great I am that will never leave us and He'll never forsake us because we're His children. It's a promise that you and I have. If we're going to go forward as a church that wants to change this world, we have to recognize that the I am is with us. And once we've submitted our lives to Him, He's with us. Amen? I want to close with a story. Alina and I served in Thomasville for about seven years. We were on staff there as the evangelism pastors. And when we started an evangelism program in our church, we had no clue what evangelism meant. We knew it meant to preach and you know, tell others our uh, 
salvation message, but we started with the program, and Alina wrote the curriculum. She taught a Sunday school class. She started out with about four people. And when we left the church, there was probably 60 people that would go out into the community to witness and shine the light of Jesus Christ. There was this one young lady that they witnessed to, and she came into our church. Her name was Jamie. Jamie was hard-headed. Man, you tell her something, and she'd do the exact opposite. She came to church, and she was ministered to, and for a while, Lena worked with her and set up appointments and ministered to her. She was doing good for a while, but then she went back into the world. One morning, Alina got a call. But Jamie was in a crack house. Lena said, I'm not going to let her do that. I was singing on the worship team, and I remember that morning that Jamie come in. She looked so rough, man. She had no makeup on. Her face was all, her hair was all whipped up. They were sitting in the back. She had been up smoking crack all night long. And I seen them when they walked in, but Alina said, I'm not going to let her. I'm not going to let the enemy have her. I'm going because Jesus Christ is in me. And I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm walking into that place and I'm bringing her out of that situation because He's with me. And she did. She's, a, she's hardcore, man. She would hem up somebody in a minute. My wife will. I love her. We go to Walmart before and, man, she sees somebody over there in a wheelchair. She's all over them. And I'm telling you, there are times that, I mean, it just, but I'm thankful for that. And I know that Jamie's thankful of it. She went and got her and she brought her back to church and Jamie had an intervention that morning she came to the I am she came forward and she returned to the Lord and gave her heart back to the Lord and Alina said honey can she come live with us for a while and I was like man I don't want to live with us man what are we how are we going to do this but she did Alina she won you know she won but I run my house if you if you want to but she came and lived with us for probably I don't know six or seven months and Alina worked with her and helped her balance her checkbook and helped her get her daughter back she had a daughter Alina helped her find a job eventually Jamie got a house on the other side of town it was so nice to go by and knock on her door and see her come to the door with their little girl they'd have her toys in the floor and they'd have you go into the kitchen, they'd have plenty of food on the counter. It was just so unique to see that. Eventually, we'd go by there, and we'd, we'd, we would come to church on Sunday mornings, and we wouldn't see her, so we'd go by and say, where's Jamie? We'd knock on the door. She wouldn't come to the door. You'd see eventually the grass growing up and the bushes being grown, and you'd see cars in the yard that you didn't, never, you didn't know whose cars they were. The blinds would be turned. Just signs signs go by the next Sunday grass be a little bit taller blinds be turned back nobody come to the door go by one day she opens the door she looks like she did the day she walked into church the day Alina went and got her she had been disobedient she had walked away from the Lord she was paying a price for it walk into her house it smells like cigarettes and weed and beer cans everywhere and you go into the kitchen you used to see all these loaf of bread on the counter I know this stuff doesn't matter but you can see that things changed for her 
There'd be nothing there. She lost her daughter. She lost her house. She went back on the streets. We didn't see her for a couple years probably. We got a call. I don't know, this past Father's Day. She said, hey, come by and see me. I'm in a rehabilitation program here in Greensboro. I want you to come see me. It was Father's Day. We was coming home from a service in the eastern part of North Carolina. We stopped by to see her because she's special to us after spending so much time with her. We said, Jamie, what happened? We seen when you left, we know that you were in turmoil. What happened? She said, I got all the way to Miami. She said, I was selling my body for drugs. I was doing all these things that I knew was wrong. We said, my goodness, what, what did it take for you to come all the way back? We hadn't heard from her in forever. She said, I almost lost my life one night because one of her and her friends got in an argument and her friend put a gun in her face. She said, I'm going to take your life. They were all high and stoned and she almost lost her life, but she ran. She ran back to the IM. When she got back to Greensboro, she was able to find a church that would take her in. And now they're mentoring her again. Now they're shining the light of Christ in her life. She's got a job. She'll be able to get her daughter back one day. But I tell you this story because of the I am that changes her life. And as long as she'll allow the I am to do that, he will do it. The revolutionary church will be there for her to come in because there's revolutionary people in this church that love her. We loved her. We know she messed up, but we still love her and we're still going to shine the light of Christ because we're ready to revolutionize our world. And no matter how many times one might mess up, the church is still going to be there. Will you stand with me, please? I want to ask the musicians to come back, please. Before I turn it back over. In these last few minutes, I want you to think about your own life for a minute. I want you to ask the Lord, how can I be a part? I joked about baking a cake, but I'm serious. I've sent, I've, sent, I've, I've sent food to people you would blow your mind of the opportunity that it allow me just to share with them for a while. But I want you to ask the Lord, what is it that I can do? How can I take part in this great mandate? And then I want you to ask the Lord, what is it that I'm dealing with? Or what is it that I need the Lord to intervene in my situation? Because I believe that He's the great I Am. And I know that we sang the song that He's our healer and He's our portion and He's all we need. But what is it that He can do for me today and He can help me? Not so much what can He do for me, but in more of a sense that how can the great I Am help me today to be a better witness? Amen.